Please allow me one minute to introduce our guest speaker this evening. If you weren't able to be out this morning, you missed two masterful presentations in our Bible class and our worship hour. Our speaker, Vince Doherty, comes from the Lakeland area. He has with him tonight his wife, Tiffany, and son, Ellis. Vince has completed his first year at the Florida School of Preaching, in which we have supported for years and, in fact, had members on the board of directors for years as well. Looking forward to his second year coming up. Vince uh, comes from a long line of men that have served the church in various capacities, and it's certainly in the family, and it runs in his family. His grandfather, Emmanuel, was the director of West Virginia uh, School of Preaching for quite some time, is now retired. His dad, Bruce, serves the Bevel Road Church of Christ in Daytona and continues to work there. And also, uh, Vince was saying that his dad was in Italy serving as a missionary for seven years, and Vince was born over there. So uh, we're looking forward to the lesson tonight entitled, A God Who Rises Above the Storm, taken from Psalm 77. We want to thank Vince again when we uh, understood our pulpit preacher would be out of town without hesitation. Uh, Vince's name was brought forward and Vince is here tonight to help us out. Vince, thank you again on behalf of the eldership and each and every member and the pulpit's yours. Thank you for that kind introduction again this evening. And I uh, also want to extend a very, very thankful afternoon of rest for my son and my wife. I don't know how much my son actually took a rest this afternoon. He, uh, he had some toys and things to play with, but that was good. Uh, this evening, I want to see from Psalm 77, a God who rises above the storm. Before I go there, though, by way of introduction, I'd like to take a stop in Psalm 29. Psalm 29. If you would, please open up to that psalm. One of the classes that we were able to take this last semester at the Florida School of Preaching was the uh, class on psalms. And uh, Ted Wheeler, the man that you guys have spoken often of uh, and who you support, he was the one who uh, taught us this class. And, and this was one of my favorite classes of the entire semester. The way in which he taught it, it just felt like those things were folding open like a flower or just jumping right off the page of how it relates to our everyday life. Because the book of Psalms is like everyday life. There are the highest of highs when we want to sing hallelujah and praise God. But there's also times of low parts of our lives when we cry out in our deepest despair. And sometimes you see psalmists who write and are inspired by the physical elements. Psalm 29 is one in which the psalmist is inspired by the physical elements. In verses 4 through 9, you see the phrase repeated often, uh, the voice of the Lord. And scholars look at this and they think that the voice of the Lord is actually the hearing of thunders over the Mediterranean. You see, where uh, Israel is set in the Middle East, there's different high places that you can actually look out and see the Mediterranean Ocean. 
and you, on some occasions you might be able to see a major storm rolling in. I imagine there's places in the local area here where you can see storms rolling in off that Gulf Coast. And you might see off in the distance the flashes of light. And you might even be able to hear the rumbles of thunder. It says the voice, in verse 3 of Psalm 29, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The, glory, the God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. In verse number 7 it says, The voice of the Lord divides the flame of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The voice, uh, or excuse me, the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. And the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. Maybe you've, uh, if you've ever been out on a boat in the bay or uh, on the ocean, and you've gone through a storm, and you see those flashes of light, and you hear the cracks of the thunder, and it's going to scare you. Because you know that power that is in that lightning. And man in the ancient times did a good job of looking out at the world in which they were in around them, and they saw God even through nature. Now, there might be pagan people who attributed these things of nature and said, just in and of themselves, the thunder might be a god. But David here directs the people's attention and says, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the one who causes those natural elements like storms to come up. We know very well when major storms come that people oftentimes start to get religious. And they start to see that they're not the ones in control. They can even look out at a storm and say, God, please help me. Because they know that there is something beyond their power. I think oftentimes we in the modern age kind of miss this because we're too busy staring at our phones or we're too busy looking at skyscrapers, the things that man has built. But a raging storm can help us come back to realize we are not in control. You can see God in the natural world. You can see how his hand has created things. He, you can see things in which he has made but tonight, I want you to see even beyond the storm. I want you to see a God who can rise above the natural elements and go to something much deeper that man needs. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 77, and that's where we will take our points from this evening. Psalm 77, verses 1 through 3, it says, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Brothers and sisters, we face storms in our life that aren't necessarily physical storms. But the things in which life sometimes throws our way are storms that can overwhelm us. Grief at the passing of loved ones. 
senseless violence that racks our country. Children that grow up in homes that are broken. The things in which people go through in this life can sometimes be overwhelming. Notice in those first three verses, I cried out. I sought out. I stretched out. There's some things that I, I don't think I, I could have understood in my Bible until I had a little one of my own. Just recently, we upgraded our crib in uh, our son's room to uh, a big boy bed. We converted it. And even in that bed, when there's no barriers on him, he still sometimes will cry out in the night. And he is stretching, he is reaching, he is seeking something beyond his own level of control. He recognizes that he's in trouble. Maybe if it's just from a bad dream or that there's something that went bump in the night. But we sometimes have those moments where our emotions are overwhelmed. And we notice that we are not in control of this life sometimes. We cry out. We stretch out our hands. We look for something beyond what's in our control. But notice here in verse number three, he says, I remembered God and was trouble. I complained in my spirit and I was overwhelmed. The psalmist here isn't finding comfort that he thinks that he should be getting. And again, like I said, when that child reaches out, if mama and daddy are not right there within a couple seconds, those cries just go up a little bit higher in the decibel. It's bad when you live in an apartment complex and you got people on your left and people on your right and people below you. We got to go in there quick. I don't want to get complaints. We seek out that comfort. But verse number four says, you hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled, I cannot speak. What you see here is someone who is going through a time of depression, time of deep sadness. There are times in this life where there might be such a hard grip that life has got on us that we might say, I just want to close my eyes to the world, not talk to anybody, maybe not even try to get out of bed. Who sustains us in those moments? Isn't it God that holds our eyelids open? In those moments, we start to question. We start to ask questions. And sometimes maybe even our faith might become shaken or rattled. Verse number six says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart and my soul makes diligent search. In those moments of trial, in those times when life has beaten us down, we want answers. Think of the Old Testament example of Job. Job had so many things go on in his life. And he wasn't on the other side of it to see that this was a trial that God allowed Satan to do in his life. But Job sought answers. You know, in the book of Job, though, he never gets an answer to why he goes through those things. I, I challenge you, go read that book. He never gets an answer. God just basically tells him, you don't know what's going on. 
And eventually he shuts his mouth and he says, uh, I don't know what I'm speaking. I'm going to come back to where I need to be in my place. But we search out and we cry out. Verse number 7 through 9 shows the even deeper depths of despair. Will the Lord cast me off forever? And will he, he be favorable to me no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed me forever? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in his anger shut up his tender mercies? Such a sad low point in the psalm, isn't it? When you're reaching out and you're crying out and you're seeking out and you're thinking, where is God? And there's a lot of people in this world that will ask that question when bad times happen. We can't just sit and say we're not going to be affected, even as God's children. But how do we pull ourselves up? How do we get out of those depths of despair? How do we see the answers that God wants to show us? Verse 10, when we ask these questions, we are asking these things in our anguish. But I will remember the years of my right hand of the Most High. Notice now, here comes the remedy. It's not going to be in drugs. It's not going to be in drinking. It's not going to be going to pop psychology or someone from this world to give answers from this life. Sometimes the problems in our life are bigger than just me and you. And the way in which the world reacts to the things cannot be the way in which we, we react. We need to see something beyond just ourselves. Verse number 11, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your works and talk of your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. The remedy is in remembering. Remembering how God has worked in the past. The children of Israel should have had plenty of examples of God working in its past. When the children of Israel were enslaved in Egypt, God was already working on a plan. Delivering Moses to the wilderness. Preparing him to lead those children out to freedom. We also need to see the remedy is in talking. When we shut ourselves out from the world and we shut our eyelids, we turn our back on the people that surround us. We start to get in our own thoughts and our own heads and it might be the worst place to be. But we need to remember what God has done and we need to talk about how God has answered prayers in the past. We need to meditate. Now I'm not talking about an Eastern religion where we put our fingers together and sit cross-legged on the floor and try to empty our minds of everything. 
That's not the way in which God wants us to meditate. When you see meditate in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, it means to mull over some type of teaching that God has given us. It means to take a passage of Scripture and keep on reading it, and keep on reading it, and read it again, and see if you see it from a different perspective. Meditation is focusing our mind and reorienting our mind on God. But notice also the remedy is found in the sanctuary. I'm so thankful that you decided to come back here tonight. And I hope from the lesson tonight that I'm able to give you some peace and some hope that you can take it out into the world and you can be a better person for being here tonight. That you can go out and be able to face the challenges of life. But the people who decide not to come back this evening, they don't get it. They're not able to see those things and read the tender words of the psalmist. You all are privileged to be here tonight, to be in God's word, to be encouraged by one another, to sing songs of praise and uplift. Because sometimes there's people that walk in these doors that are beaten and broken down by life and they need a helping hand and a hug to pick them back up. Sometimes it might be you that needs that. How are we in giving each other an uplifting spirit? That's what we come here for, to edify, to build up one another. So much of life tries to tear us down. The sanctuary is where we find sanctuary. Notice in those same verses, verses 11, 12, and then 13, it says, I will remember the works of the Lord. I will remember your wonders and I will remember your way. Three W's, and it makes it real easy to remember. The works that God has done, the wonders in which he shows his people to tell them that he's here. Not only just in the elements of nature like you saw in Psalm 29, but then even going beyond nature. We talked about this morning, Job being preserved in the belly of a fish going beyond just those natural elements. But then notice the last verses, 16 through 20. And notice a God who rises above the storm. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you, and they were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea. Your path was in the great waters. Your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Notice the natural elements that God is behind and notice even the natural elements tremble and fear God. So many times God demonstrates his might in the elements and above the elements. I remember back to the story and account of Noah. Noah, the righteous man in the world in the midst of sin. And to show God 
and his judgment of the wickedness, he opens up the floodgates and he destroys the entire world through water. And even after that, he puts a sign in our skies of a rainbow to make sure mankind can know and always remember back as a memorial to God that he is above those elements. I think about Job when God speaks to him out of a whirlwind. But I think the psalmist has in mind here during the time of Moses and Aaron leading his people out of Egypt. Do you remember the time and when they were leaving captivity and before they cross over the Red Sea? In Exodus 14, the armies of Pharaoh are marching after him. And the people cry out to Moses and they said, why'd you bring us out here to just let us die? See, they were in the middle of a rock and a hard place. Life had put them in a sticky situation and they saw no way out. They needed to shift their vision, didn't they? And God tells Moses to strike the waters with his staff. And those waters open up and they are able to cross through leading them like a flock. See, God was with them even in their most dire of times. God's with us when we're in our most dire of times. When it seems like everything has gone the wrong way, when it seems like life has just beaten us down and spit us out, we don't ever need to doubt that God is with us. If God can control the physical elements, and if he can bring us through those times of despair, can he not hold us up as well? But even better than that, even bigger than that, can you see Jesus? Can you see Jesus rising above the storm? Turn with me back to Mark 4 from where the Scripture was taken tonight. Mark 4, starting in verse number 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that they were already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? And how is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind in the seas obey him. You see a God that rises above the storm. These men who were fearful of their lives, many of his disciples were fishermen by trade. They had seen storms before, but this was beyond their control. They were looking for help beyond what they could reach. And Jesus says, peace, be still. 
Who is this man? Who could this be? The question is, do you know who that man is? Do you know Jesus? On one occasion, Jesus is brought a, a man who was crippled. And the crippled man is surprised when Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they derided him. They said, who's this man who can say, son, your sins are forgiven you? But Jesus says to him, to those Pharisees and those doubters and those people who would say, who is this man that you might believe, which one's harder? Take up your bed and walk or say, son, your sins are forgiven you. But that you might believe, rise up, take your bed and walk. That's the man I want to know. The man who can heal the physical. The man who can conquer the physical elements. But it's not just some parlor trick. It's not just some magic thing that he can do. It's more than that. The biggest thing in that story is the man's sins are forgiven by the master. And so in closing tonight, and the lesson is yours, I want to extend the invitation to you. If the things of this life have beaten you down, and you're at a point where you say, I'm about to give up on everything, please don't do it. Please come back. Please come back and ask for prayers of the church that we may uplift and strengthen one another in prayer. That's what prayer is for. But if you're someone here tonight and you say, who is this man, Jesus? I don't think I know him. Would you like to get to know him a little bit better? Would you study with us to know that this man walked in this earth, proved himself by authority of his teaching and signs that he was indeed the Christ, the promised Messiah who was sent by God to forgive the sins of the world. By his death on the cross and his rising from the dead, we can also have hope and life in him as well. Not only in this life, but in the life to come as well. If you are outside of Christ and you need to come, the invitation is yours. Please respond as we sing this song of invitation.